0: Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the Fail to Fail Podcast with your host, Don Abernathy.
1: What is going on, everybody? Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fail to Fail Podcast, your motivational podcast. Um, it's been a long, long time, to be honest with you. I think the last time we are all together was when uh, DJ MDOT was with us. And, uh, you know, we just been super crazy with all the other podcasts going on, and I've been a little negligent, if you will, looking for uh, guests to join us, but we got one tonight. And before we get into all that, let's just get it out of the way right now. Just, uh, you know, make sure we get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and I'm sitting here clicking on buttons, but one moment. This episode of the Failed to Fail podcast is brought to you by our friends at Act Computers. Act Computers has been providing Southwest Florida with IT solutions since 2004. They specialize in medical clinics, animal medical clinics, businesses large and small, break fix, laptop repair, desktop repair, online backups, two-form authentication, and online antivirus protection. And right now, between December 1st, 2019 through January 1st, 2020, At Computers is proud to offer a discounted sale on their online backup. Right now, you can get your online backup at $0.10 cents a gig for the first year. So give them a call at 239-283-1120 and say the word podcast to get your online backup at $0.10 cents a gig per month for the entire year of 2020. Correction on that, um, they're actually doing it for $0.07 cents a gig now. i got to update that advertisement. That's neither here nor there. Joining us via Zoom from the state of Florida, up in the Panhandle, Mr. Robert Hale. Robert, how you doing, sir?
0: I am doing well. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having
1: me. Not a problem. Uh, things are going better down here than they are for you guys up there. Um, you know, it's been a super active tropical storm and hurricane season. Um, You guys just recently went through one because we were supposed to get together last week. And uh, you told me you were hit pretty hard with it. And I explained, I know the feeling after living through Charlie, Wilma, and all the other ones down here. How's everything going right now? I see you're in your car, so probably not too good.
0: Yeah, so we got hit, well, we took a direct hit from the eye. Um, It actually passed my house a few miles to the west. Um, But surprisingly, we actually, most of the town is pretty good. I think all power has been restored. Uh, it's just like downed trees everywhere. Um, you know, not as much damage where I'm at because I'm a little, about 30 miles north of the coast. But uh, <clears throat> you know, we lost one a, a section of our new bridge. We, uh, you know, we just got flooding everywhere. So I mean, it, it's it's going to be a few months till we recover. But I think we'll recover just fine. I, I it's so hard. But in these
1: situations, you kind of got to look for a silver lining. The only thing I can think of any silver lining at all is. Imagine if this happened back in March, April, when people are already hoarding toilet paper and water and all this. I mean, for the longest time, at least down here with the with COVID-19 going on, you couldn't find just toilet paper, hydrogen peroxide, the normal things. And so let alone trying to prepare for a hurricane on top of that, it's just because whenever a hurricane comes, usually people hoard bottled water and gas, and that's before the hurricane even comes. And so I cannot imagine trying to prepare for all that stuff on top of what you would have had to dealt with if this would have happened earlier in the year.
0: Oh yeah, that would have been, a uh, it would have been interesting to say the least.
1: Yeah. So, uh, let's give the audience a little background on you. I know, uh, what, how old were you when you joined the Navy?
0: Uh, I was 18 right out of high school. Um, I actually signed my, um, delayed entry contract, uh, when I was 17, uh, going, you know, I was midway through my senior year of high school. So I joined the Navy in 99. Um, I did about, I did 10 years before I got out.
1: And uh, what was what? Well, uh, I want to say rank, but what class did you get into in the Navy? I know you guys go by class system, do you not?
0: Yeah. So um, I was a first class, which is E six. Um, you know, um, I, I picked it up fairly. I don't want to say fairly quickly, but I mean, quicker than some, but not as quick as others. Is that so. what got
1: you into um, the habit or um, the desire to get into the physical fitness world?
0: Not probably. I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with it. I mean, I've been playing sports since I'm five, you know, I was a, I played baseball my first year in, uh, I think I played T-ball in my kindergarten. Uh, so I've been an athlete through high school, but I was never into the preparation part. It was just, all right, go play baseball and you know, we would sure. go to practice, but we, we didn't do any of the off season prep work, you know, and it was just baseball, football, basketball, just on rotation for three years. Um, the Navy kind of regimented me a little bit, got me a little bit more interested in it. I would, I was the guy that wrote the workouts for my friends and we would just spend hours at the gym doing whatever, um, you know, in Iraq, it was the same way. You know, I just, I had six months and all I did was lift and eat you yeah. know, in Iraq.
1: So, And some people are like, wait, Iraq, well, yes, Navy has ground troops. <laughs>
0: it's not just all, yes, I, not just all I on deplo- ships. I deployed in 06 with the uh, SEAL teams four and five. So wow. I did a year out there in Ramadi, uh, doing uh, cryptologic support for the SEAL teams—that uh, was one of the most fun ten-month periods of my life.
1: I can imagine so, and, and being around guys of that level of um, not only discipline but just honor and just—I mean, if as far as being around stand-up guys, I mean that's the cream of the crop.
0: Some of them are, yeah. Some <laughs> of them are a little—you uh, know—the the younger ones are a little bit; too, uh, their bridge is a little too big. They haven't quite grown into them yet, but they—they they think you know they pass buds and you know they're in that top one percent group that they are better than everybody and some of them just need to be smacked down to reality unfortunately i wasn't the guy that was going to do it
1: now did you maintain your um physical fitness regiment after the navy or did you go with like what a lot of guys do um where it kind of falls off for a while because you're like well i've been doing this for so many damn years i want to sit back and relax and kind of enjoy the civilian role a little bit
0: so r- initially i kept you know i i i would go out and I'd run three, four days a week. And, you know, I was running five, you know, three miles a day. And about two months into that, I was like, why am I doing this? I don't have, you know, a weight standard to maintain. I don't have a PT test coming up. So I kind of, I enjoyed life for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, so for, for about four months, uh, I just, I ate a lot of food and did nothing else.
1: So were you in your late twenties, early thirties that time around that time?
0: About 28.
1: Yeah, and that's right around the time the metabolism really starts to slow down, and your body sneaks up and kind of smacks you in back the head. Because I was, I was always that super skinny kid. I remember my dad took me to the doctor when I was young, thinking I was malnourished, and they're like, "No, he just got a fast metabolism." And I started skateboarding in second grade. I didn't fit, stop until I was twenty one. I snowboarded all the time, and so I was constantly staying active. I was six foot five and one hundred and seventy five pounds at twenty two years old. I was going to the gym trying to put on a weight, so just so I didn't look like a heroin addict. I mean, you could put your your fingers and forearm, your finger and your thumb around my forearms and my biceps. I literally had no body mass to me at all, and so when I moved out to California in an effort to try, from Ohio just to try to meet women, I'd start going to the YMCA just to put on some weight, cause you know people looked at me like I had some sort of addiction. But no, it's just I was always that way. And then fast forward to moving to Florida, uh, starting a computer company, basically an ass job. Um, picking up an Xbox 360 at the time. Well, Call of Duty, that looks fun. Next thing I know, four or five <laughs> years later, six years later, I'm six foot five. I'm out uh, shopping for a size 38 pant, and I'm up to uh, 239 pounds. And then I got hit with two kidney stones, and I'm like, okay, something's got to change. And that was the catalyst for me. I was, with the exception of the skateboarding and the snowboarding, I never ran. I never, with the, you know... Like I said, late 20s, I started going to the gym just simply out of necessity because my body just i looked so ridiculously skinny. You could count my ribs with a xylophone hammer. It was just crazy. And so I really never did it because I was into physical fitness. And then I would work off, work out off and on, but my diet was just trash. I was constantly eating 11, 12 Mountain Dews a day plus fast food. So what work I was doing at the gym was basically for nothing. Um, I wasn't right. even staying at neutral. I was still eating more calories than I was burning. But it wasn't until um, the kidney stones for me that I started – I cut my diet. I cut out all the soda, uh, cut my carbs down, and I was still going to the gym, and the weight started falling off. But then Hurricane Irma came, uh, 18 days, no power, no water. So what water I did get, we were using to feed the animals, bathe, all that. And so what's plentiful during Hurricane? Soda and beer. So right. I got back onto the soda, started gaining some weight, but I, was, I wasn't too bad. But I was going to the gym for a while, twice a day, and ended up blowing my elbow out. And then I was like, well, there goes the lifting. What am I going to do? I would always run for tw- 10, 20 minutes on the treadmill before I lift, but I just found it so god-awfully boring. I could never even break a 12-minute mile. I was just horrible. And then one day, I just started running outside, and that just changed it for me. And it's I flip the script now where I run more than I go to the gym because running, is the weight just falls off quicker. And that was <coughs> that was the big one for me.
0: Well, my wake-up call was uh, christmas 2009 um you know i was again enjoying life i was just eating everything and I, I remember being at. i remember this conversation like it was yesterday i still even on instagram and even facebook i'll post the picture every now and again just to remind myself mm-hmm. but i was um my wife and i were at my uncle's house you know all dressed up and i was talking to my dad's wife and she goes so how are you like it being out of the navy and my dad, who at the you know was always always a bigger guy, you know, six three. At one point he was, you know, three ten. I mean, he just was not the in-shape guy. She goes, How you like him being out of the navy? And he walks up, interrupts me before I even get a chance to speak. He goes, Look at his gut, he's loving it. <laughs> and that was like my dad called me fat yeah. without saying the words you're fat. Yep. So I started, you know, I would get back in the gym. Um, and I, at that point I was so six, almost six foot, a uh, seventy-two and a half inches, whatever close to 255. Uh, I'd love to say that was like the highest weight I've ever gotten, but that's down the road. Um, but I just, I started getting to the gym and I wasn't losing anything. I, w- I was trying to manipulate my diet, you know, nothing strict like I am, like I figured out now, but I was in the gym playing basketball every day, lifting every day. And I was going nowhere. Yeah. Uh, we had biggest weight loser or biggest loser competitions at work. And I lost like two pounds in, in the course of two months. And that kind of directed me on the path that I'm on now. Cause I think early 2011 is when I got into, I wanted to run a triathlon. Wow. And I decided, you know, I, 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 I had been wanting to do an Ironman. I've been reading Ironman and, and watching Ironman videos since, you know, I'm a kid. I remember watching Kona on TV once and uh, that's the world championship. And, so I was like, I'm going to do an Ironman, but I'm in no way, shape, or form ready to do an Ironman now. So, well, for those that are listening go,
1: at home, what is the is the Ironman versus a triathlon? Is Ironman just a, a copyrighted brand name? what is the physical difference between an Ironman versus a normal triathlon?
0: Okay, so Ironman is a brand. Um, they were the original brand, and of course, everything kind of splintered. And they are the I'm not going to say they're the the longest distance. So if you ever talk to someone, say, Yeah, I ran an Ironman. That's 140.6 miles in under 17 hours. Okay. Then they get smaller. So you go, you know, a, a 70.3 is 72.3 miles. That's half iron. They have Olympic races, which obviously you see in the Olympics. Um, I think that can, that's mid distance. It kind of varies a little bit. The swims are just under a mile, the, the runs only a 10 K. And I, and it's when I say only a 10 K Yeah. Um, and the bike kind of varies based on the country you're in and like the city that's organizing it. And then there's sprint below that. And then super sprint below that. So like <clears throat> my first race ever was a sprint and I think it was a 600 yard swim, a 18 mile bike ride and a 5k. And, uh, I trained for that for six months and I lost six pounds.
1: Nice. The swimming, I mean, that's the only thing that would prevent me from doing a triathlon is I can't swim. I, I mean, I can tread water and I can swim, swim, but I can't, like, race swim. Two,
0: yeah, uh, I have swim, uh, swim or water anxiety. No, oh. Like, my one fear. How my did that work in Navy world. boot camp? Well, boot camp was easy because it was just tread water for two minutes and you were in a pool. Uh, I so I you. could see the bottom. You know, if I had to touch the bottom, it's you know, a 12-foot pool, cool. Swimming in open water in, in a lake, a yeah. river, or the ocean where you can't see the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's where I start to panic. If I can't see or feel the bottom, if I'm not, if I don't go through my pre-race routine where I get used to the water and the temperatures and whatever, I pan. I legit panic. My entire form goes to hell. And it's, you know, I, I'm almost hyperventilating. So I have to really kind of ease into the water before the race starts just to even get ready for the swim. But, Do you know, the- I... That the reason I'm doing it is to tackle my fear of drowning, which is the ultimate fear. Do those races?
1: Is the first leg always swimming, or do yeah. they? So okay. So obviously, then obviously, you just have plenty of time before the race. To like you said, kind of like the goldfish in the bag when you buy it from the pet store, you gotta let it get acclimated to the water temperature and feel itself way around before you empty
0: it into the aquarium. Um, That's exactly it. I have to like when I get into water, I'll actually you know just go under and just kind of like lay there for a minute, just let my body say okay you have you're in total control and i almost have to repeat that to myself until the race starts and now
1: you said the time limit on a full-length ironman is how many hours you have to be an official finisher you have to finish under 17 hours the running leg of that just for the the runners who are listening to this what kind of pace at the slowest do you have to maintain in order to meet that time limit
0: it depends on where you get off the bike so the swim you have a time limit of two hours and twenty minutes for an Ironman. Um, then you have a you have to get off the bike by the ten hour mark, where they pull you from the course. Because at ten hours, if you can't get to the bike at you know the end of the bike in ten hours, you're not going to finish the marathon in seven or less. Um, so it depends on where you're at. But I, I did it. The run has been like my worst event uh, of the three in each race I've done. And for the last Ironman I did, I think I maintained like a 1630 pace or whatever. And I still managed to. Come nah, to I the mean, that's, time that's, I, that's, I want to say that's
1: doable, <laughs> but that's a hell of a long, that's a hell of a lot of miles though. Um, it's a long day. The longest I've ever done is, um, I was actually supposed to run my second Savage race at the end of March. And then obviously with COVID they canceled it. And so I was looking around and I found, ironically enough, the people who didn't cancel it was the local, um millennial physicians group. (laughs) They had a half marathon and they didn't cancel. I'm like, well, if a bunch of doctors are sponsoring a half marathon at the beginning of COVID and they're saying it's cool, I got to trust them. And so I signed up for it and I'm trying to look over at my wall to see what my time was, but I'm not seeing my, uh, my banner for it. But I did, I was looking at my garment and I think I maintained about a, For a mo, I'd say for probably the first three quarters of the race, I'm I maintain between a 9:45 and a 10:45 pace, and then just as last two miles, man, the thing now we're in I'm down in South Florida, and with the exception of bridges, you're like okay, everything's flat, shouldn't be a big deal. I knew that Marco Island, you had one bridge you got to run up over. Which, once again, for me is not a big deal because I train downtown Fort Myers. I run a bridge all the time. What I didn't know, apparently Marco Island's made up of Indian Barrel Grounds or something. The neighborhoods we ran through had hills. And so, like, I, I've i already expended all my energy running up the hill and down the hill. But as we're running through these neighborhoods, it was like, I don't know if they were old golf courses that were filled over. But I'm not just talking little grades. I'm talking about rolling hills. And I could not believe. It was like, this is an island out out off the coast of Florida, if you hop on the interstate, the next stop is Key West. You can't get any further flat. Where the hell are these hills coming from? And it just completely, it slowed me down, but I made it. And the first thought I had when I finished doing my first half marathon, well, my only half marathon is, this is a little throwback for those of you who watch Fight Club, this must have been what Tyler Durden felt like the first time he kicked his own ass, because it is, <laughs> it's rough. But I think that's kind of what I got, why I got into it though, is I like to put myself in those uncomfortable positions and quote, unquote, kick my own ass. And I definitely, I definitely got it. My ass kicked that day, but it was, it was definitely worth it.
0: Well, the thing about running that I've learned is, you know, when you drive down the road, you don't realize all the inclines and all the elevation changes, but when you're running it, every, the slightest elevation change can destroy you.
1: Actually, I finally found it. I'm looking at it. I, my overall pace for the entire uh, half marathon, it looks like I ran a 940 pace, and it looks like I finished in uh, 206.53. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty good jog. It was hot that day. but um, And one of the things i got to remind myself, because you're probably like me. You go out and work a full day, and then you come home and do your fitness, right? And so, I so I do it in the morning. Well. Okay, well, then you're the perfect example of what I was getting to. For those of you who run at night and you're looking at your, your Garmin or your Fitbit, by the way, Fitbit is super generous with the steps. I went from 16,000 steps a day to like 800 when I got my Garmin because every time you move your arm on a Fitbit, they count it as a movement. But anyhow, I always got to remind myself when I'm out there struggling, like, look, you're never going to meet your race pace at the end of a day. For one, you're already tired. You don't have a full night's sleep. You're already tired. So don't get upset that... Well, when I did that 5K two weeks ago, I was running an 8-minute pace. Now I'm running a 10-12. Yeah, because you've already worked eight hours. You've already eaten three meals, and you're tired as hell. Yeah. Whereas at 5K, you got nine hours of sleep, and you ate a, a coffee and half a bagel before you went and ran. So you had full of energy. Your stomach wasn't full, and you weren't exhausted. So don't ever get down on yourself if you can't maintain or beat your normal race pace. And the thing we talked about on this podcast too, and I could only imagine with an Ironman and thing like that, For those of you who've done virtual races or you've ran around your neighborhood, you've never done a race with a crowd, the pack instinct. The first time I ran a 5K, I could not believe my pace just increased instantaneously just from the pack instinct of being around other human beings, putting themselves in the same physical situation that I found myself in. And it's so crazy because you don't even know these people, right? And you're running and and you're just kind of sizing them up. Okay, I think I could probably maintain a pace faster than that person all there's no way i can keep up with that person and so you naturally kind of find your way in this pack and you may and it's it, running is a lot of mind games too and yeah sometimes when you're running with a pack you almost feel like okay i'm on a roller coaster i'm on a track i'm gonna follow this person in front of me and wherever they go is where i'm going and it it, it helps mind games definitely help
0: well my days in the military i you know that's part of our PT test is run a mile and a half and it's almost like you're trying to sprint a mile and a half, which most of the military can't do, at least not the Navy. Um, so when I run now, if I run in a group or at a race, I'll play pickoff and where I just, I pick somebody ahead of me and I say, okay, cool. I'm going to run until I catch this person and then pass them. And you look for the next person and I zone out to my music and that's what I do. If I can't catch somebody, then whatever it is, what it is. But you know, that's, I, I just make it a game.
1: Music's very important. But before we get to that, Um, being six foot five, this rarely happens. Poor son, son, some poor bastard at the market marathon was like six, seven. And so I actually got to draft somebody. And so (laughs) I was able to maintain his pace. There's a few times he, he got, you know, his little extra stride and he got a few people up, but basically I would follow him. And then every once in a while I would intentionally get in front of him and kind of let my wind break his drag a little bit so he can get a little bit of energy. And we basically, uh, jump back and forth off each other for the longest time. Then finally at the end, you know, he broke out because this was my first time. I, up to this point, I had run six 5Ks, but I'd only ran one 10K um, <laughs> officially. I've ran, you know, I've gone out and ran 14 miles and 12 miles here and there just around the neighborhood. But this is my first, you know, I'd only ran one 10K officially. But yeah, um, music is is a biggie. Um, what What type of music do you listen to when you run? And is it different than what you listen to in your normal daily life?
0: So in my daily life, I listen to music based on my mood. Okay. So if I'm in a vibe out mood, it's R&B. If I'm in a you know, kind of aggressive mood, it's either like Five Figure Death Punch, Breaking Benjamin sure. or Eminem, Tech 9 you know, on the rap side. Yeah. Um, when I run, I like running to hip hop more than I like, you know, rock music because this, the, the beats are a little bit more consistent for me. Uh, the, the tempo is a little bit a little bit slower rock tends to kind of speed up your pace a little bit more you know depending and, and no one can really run to ballads let's no, real about that. no um but you get a lot of like the hip hop, like the rap songs and even though they're you know repetitive it and the beats are good um so i'll just put my pandora playlist on and just let it run
1: well and the thing too like you said it's hard to run to you know it's easier to work out the f- uh, five finger death punch and avenge sevenfold at the gym than it is to run to it. Because one of the things you may not, and I'm not talking about you, but the, the list casual listener, when you're running, your body kind of instinctively matches the rhythm and the pace of the song on what you're listening to. And so if you're trying to run a long distance to a song, that's just constant fat, you're going to burn yourself out. you you'll, the first two three miles would be nice and fast. But when you get to five and six, you're going to start feeling it because your body is instinctively trying to maintain the pace of that fast rhythm of music. Whereas if you listen to like a tech nine and all that, he'll have a fast course and then slow down during the uh, verse and then it'll transition into something else. And that hip hop, you might DMX song might come on and then all of a sudden it'll break into a slower song and it allows you to kind of maintain a quicker pace and slow down just enough to get your breath and get in that comfortable zone. And then, and get your heart rate down a little bit and then take off again. The crazy thing is that I was at the gym listening to Dropkick Murphys because I'm like you. Uh, I literally tell people I listen to everything, and I do. I listen to 40s music because I'm a World War II guy. I listen to, you know. I have to be careful with the 90s hip-hop. I'm 40 years old, right? So I listened to (laughs) 90s hip-hop in 1990. But what's the biggest difference between 90s hip-hop and modern-day hip-hop is the amount of N-words per song. And so when you're a 4 year old white guy at the gym and DMX Rough Rider anthem comes on, and the very first word of the first verse is a certain word, you got to make sure you're not rapping out loud. It was perfectly okay for me at age 18 when that album came out to drive around town singing it loud. No one cared. But nowadays, you got to be super careful. So if you're listening to 90s hip-hop and you're a white 4 year old guy at the gym, don't rap loud. Uh, just
0: fair warning to everybody yeah yeah th- that's part of why i lift i work out at home a little bit <laughs> <often than not. laughs> i can scream them whatever i mean i don't if sure. i'm lifting I, it's always rock music yeah i can just scream that at the, at the top of my lungs but what i'm getting to is i was
1: at the gym and i was listening to dropkick murphy's and this song came on um well flog and molly came on and progressed into that and then all of a sudden this group came on called dead south And they're more what I've coined the phrase New Age bluegrass. They're actually from, despite the name Dead South, they're actually from Ontario, Canada. But um, they got a uh, banjo in it. The bass player actually plays a cello like a bass. They got a mandolin and then a singer. But it's kind of like in the realm of, because once again, that's why I was on the channel of the Dropkick Murphys. And so it's a faster pace, you know, you got the mandolin and banjos. And then, so I tracked them down on YouTube and liked their songs. And so I found them on Pandora and then came, you know, trampled by turtles. And then, um, all these other culture wall and all these other faster paced new age, quote unquote, bluegrass and folk music. And what I found is some of these songs are seven minutes long. Well, if you're out long distance running and you're listening to these folk songs and these new age bluegrass songs that have a high tempo, so you're getting that high speed like you do from the, the some hip-hop songs, but not like a heavy metal song where it's all fast all the time. Once again, it has the ebbs and flows, allows your body to manipulate with it, but they have lyrical content, and they're telling you stories. And so when you're listening to a song that's seven and a half minutes long about being out in the wilderness of Canada in a snowstorm and you can't find your wife, before you know it, you're already almost two miles done, and you don't even realize it because... And you, you probably can agree with this. The hardest miles are miles one through four. When you get around five, six, and seven, your your mind kind of disconnects from your body, at least if you're in the right mind state and you're listening to the right music, where your body will go in overdrive and you'll find your brain processing all the stuff you have to go through in a workday, this and that, all your problems, or even the music. And so... When you're at that point and you're training for, you know, an Ironman or a half marathon and you're just around your neighborhood running eight miles and you've gotten over that three, four mile hump and your brain disconnects, having a seven, to eight minute long song with lyrical content that actually makes you picture the story in your mind, it makes those long runs seem a whole heck of a lot shorter and that's one of the things that that i was surprised to find and and so i've listened to these songs so much now that when i listen to my car and passenger with me like what are you listening to
0: it's like don't even ask yeah no definitely the the first couple miles and the last couple miles are always the hardest ones because the first one your body's getting warmed up You, you know you if you're like my daughter who she always pushes her pace way too fast in the beginning and you know, I'll, she'll take off and, and mm-hmm. I'll jog behind her. And then all of a sudden, you know, mile one, one and a half, I'm, I'm passing her with the greatest of ease and she's walking already. Um, but then the last two miles always hurt.
1: Yeah. Um, I just, I've, I've kind of been doing this new thing. I got my second Savage race coming up and I am very um, lucky. And I don't use that term a lot. Um, I am very lucky to know and live very close <coughs> by to Morgan Moose Wright from Aner- American Ninja Warrior. He's the guy with the funny moose hat on and in his backyard, he has a Ninja warrior training gym and he allows me to go over there and I've been working. Now I have no dreams of being on American Ninja warrior, but OCR races on if you've ever, you ever done like
0: a tough mudder mm-hmm. or Spartan anything? I've I've never done one because I don't want to risk injury for the Ironman.
1: Yeah. I've, I've had other runners tell me that. Um, nice thing is, is that this, something like that, you're definitely racing yourself and, and so, you're not going to go out and join a Spartan or a Savage race and be on the pro team. So, you're not even trying to, you're just out there to, to do it. And so, you can be very slow. And the nice thing about the Savage race is, they, if you can't get around an obstacle, they're not going to make you do 38 burpees. Just, just go around it. But what I had found is all that stuff, and a lot of it's grip strength, a lot of pull ups, a lot of monkey bars, and all that. And so, training that on his American Ninja Warrior training ground helps with my grip strength. I still can't do a push-up. I can do 15 uh, wall assisted handstand push-ups but when it uh, comes to doing a pull-up I'm up to three. I still don't know the correct form of doing a pull up appropriately but he's got other things on there that can help with my grip. so I did that a few times and I'm still looking for other ways to kind of prepare myself because I want to beat my time I did last year. but with all the races being closed down, how do you
0: feel about virtual races? I don't like them. They're, they're, they're training runs essentially for me. And I'm a very competitive guy before I'm not dogging virtual races. If that's your thing, I'm just super competitive and I can go out and I'm not going to pay 50, $60. Like you're seeing them be charged to go run something I can run at home and I can spend $10 and buy my own metal online. Well, I was gonna say yeah,
1: I well, that's what they're doing right now with these virtual races because of COVID. Now you buy the metal for like 20 bucks and they'll send them to you. But the, the thing I have with them is, you know, you you can buy them and not do the work and have a whole slew of metals on your wall. It's not like you have to pay for it, submit your time via Strava and then they send it to you. you get the thing regardless. But with that being said, I've done two of them. I did one, which I think I had to run 50 miles in a month, which which it was actually to raise money for Vietnam uh, veterans and all that, which is great. But I just saw one. Um, it was the Spartan Virtual Race um, Super. You can do sp- the sprint or super or the the mega. The mega is like 50 miles. So I signed up to do the super, and it's a 10k plus. You got a whole list of high impact aerobics. You have to do 10 burpees, 10 up downs, 10 incline push ups, a whole whole, you know, probably about 30 different things. And I'm like, okay. And whenever I do these, I don't open them up. If I don't do the work, I just don't open the metal. It stays in the envelope, you know, because only you can make sure you do the work. But I will tell you what, um, I run three or four days a week. Every time I go out, I run three miles. It's no big deal. Every once in a while, i go out and run six miles. It's a little harder. It's no big deal. And so I've kind of plateaued on that. This is the first time I've done like 15 minutes of high-impact aerobics and then go out and run six miles, and I will tell you what, Robert, I felt like I was on, by mile three, I felt like I was on the last five miles of my half marathon. The yeah, I can see that. It definitely, if you're out there and you're running three miles all the time or five, six miles and you find it easy, do about 15 minutes of high-impact aerobics first and then go out and do it. It kicked my ass. And plus, I did it because it was 90 degrees outside too. So at mile three, I circled back and got underneath the garden hose and cold brought my body temperature down. But it, I mean, I completed it, but I was so humbled by how much you're looking at those all oh, 10 jumping jacks, 10 up, downs, 10. That's nothing. So I kind of went into it naive. I did it in the middle of the day you know, no real concern about my diet. I think I got five hours of sleep the night before and it humbled me. It definitely, it, it definitely makes you realize where you're at. And it's, And that's what I like about this stuff is it, it, not to be rude, but I like to know at 42, I'm not a pussy. (laughs) I just like to put my body through it and know that I can handle it and complete a task and a challenge. I like to get myself out of my comfort zone.
0: I agree. Um, you know, for me though, I, I don't know if I'd have done it in 90 degrees. Yeah. (laughs) I'm kind of a, you know, doing any kind of like outside workout like that. I, I, I'm last year training for the Ironman, I got heat exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, on a on a bike on a training bike ride, I was down at the beach. I was I was supposed to do a seventy mile ride. Wow! And uh, I got to mile uh, forty something or fifty something, and I just started feeling that dizziness. And you know, from the heat, so I you know got under the shower, took a little break, drank some uh, some Gatorade, and then I didn't make it all the way back. I made it about eleven of the seventeen miles back. And then one of the public access to the beach has a bathhouse. I rolled my bike up on the dock, walked into the men's bathroom, parked my bike, fell on the floor. and called my wife and said, I'm six miles from my car and I can't make it. Yeah. And
1: I'll be honest with you. I'm usually that guy driving down the street. Cause I usually, when I run at night, I run at seven 30 at night. I wait until it cools down. And I'm usually the guy driving down the street saying, seeing people running like, why are you running when it's 90 degrees out? But I kind of did intentionally cause Spartans and Savage, all these things are supposed to be tough. And you know, but I, mm-hmm. did, I, I didn't go into it blindly. My original intent is about a mile and a half down the road. There's what they call the Yellow Creek, Yellow Fever Creek Preserve, which is a horrible name. I don't know why you name anything a walking trail after Yellow Fever. But anyhow, my intent was to actually do three miles off-road to simulate the Spartan and the Savage race. So I actually wore my trail shoes. But as I got out, I, as I got a mile down the road, I said, "You know what? I'm 42 years old. I come from a long line of men with heart problems." If I'm going to pass out in this heat, I'm going to do it on the side of the road where someone can see me and call an ambulance and not two miles back in the woods. And so I ended up doing the entire run, all six miles on the street wearing trail shoes, because I knew that there was a, there was a chance that I could pass out in the heat. And once again, I want to do it right next to the road where someone can call the ambulance and not be laying out in the woods somewhere. And so when I
0: I first got down to Florida, I was training for my first, uh, this 2011, I was training for the first triathlon. I would get off work at two thirty, three o'clock and in the middle of July and I'd go out and run. And a buddy of mine would like, Hey, just make sure your phone is on uh, like the find my phone or find my friends app was mm-hmm. turned on. So if I check and I don't see your post 30 minutes after your run, I can just pull you up and make sure you're actually moving on the, on the, the trail.
1: And that's very important. I actually have Life360 on our, my phone, my kid's phone, and my, my fiancé's phone. So we all know where our phone's. And, you know, especially with my kid riding her bike to school, we know where she's at. And and that plus, you know, if I'm gone long she can look and see, okay, he's in, been stuck in the same spot for 15 minutes, something's going on. And I also run with water. But more important, especially down here, is safety lights. Luckily, with the advent of battery-operated LED lights, it's so easy just to clip a flashing light on your belt now, and there's no weight to it. Uh, you know, you can put it on your water bottle and all that because especially down here, it gets so dark so quick that if you live in an area, like I live out in Cape Coral and out in this area, it's so underdeveloped. Half our streets don't even have street lamps. And so I run on the sidewalks, but I, I have flashing lights and all that. Um, what was your total weight when you started after the Navy and after your dad smacked you on the stomach and said, ah, he's enjoying life now, look at him. He's going to be a soccer player. He is. <laughs> at that point uh, now, what's your, where... Where's your weight loss at? Uh,
0: so that was 2010. I ended up going from like 250 something down to about 225. And then, you know, fitness goals change and you start, you know, interests go this way and I have ADHD when it comes to workouts. Yeah. I, re- I really don't. I've never been diagnosed. I'm just, you know, the attention span goes back and forth. I'd go from endurance to bulking up to back to endurance to bulking up Um so I mean, over the last eight years or so, my weight's gone from my lowest was two twelve when I ran my half marathon, my first half marathon. My heaviest was two thousand eighteen. I think I was at two seventy six.
1: Yeah, my heaviest, like I said, was pushing two. It was like high forties, and then one month, like last at the end of last year, I got a wild hair at my ass and I'm going to run hundred miles this month, and I did, and I got down to like two oh seven. But my normal walking around weight's between 218 and 220, and that's at 6 foot 5, and uh, which I can easily <clears throat> cut that down more just by not drinking the uh, the high calorie swill from Starbucks that I drink every day. I I completely understand yeah. it, but then I just say, hey, well, part of the reason I work out is so that I can eat this high calorie swill and not, you know, balloon up. So I could probably easily easily cut another five or 10 pounds off if I just stop drinking that crap. But I I haven't gotten to that point yet. One of yeah, the, right
0: now I'm am hovering. I'm sorry, right no. now I'm hovering around two between two twenty five and two twenty eight. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm not really training yet for anything. I don't start training again until November, so I'm just kind of just working out every day to have fun and just stay active.
1: One of the things I do, and I haven't done so much lately, is because kind because I plateaued. And you and I follow each other on Instagram. And I remember when I first started going to the gym heavily, my brother sent me a message. He's like, "You're one of those assholes." like, What assholes? He said, Go on, these assholes who post pictures of themselves at the gym or working out on Facebook and Instagram. I said, Yeah. I said, I've been doing it for a couple of weeks. But the reason I started doing it is well, we're Americans. And one of the things that people love on the internet is to tear people down after they've been built back up. And people love to call you on your BS. And so I know that if I start posting these photos of me working out, losing weight, and all that, when people see me no longer doing it, seeing me out eating crap and doing this and that, they're going to say, Hey, Fella, what's going on? They'll call you on your nonsense. Kind of keep you honest. It's the same reason why I wear a shirt to the gym that says reps, not text. When I wear that shirt, I won't even touch my phone to change the music because I don't want somebody to get a photo of me wearing a shirt that says reps, not text and look like I'm texting on my phone. Keeps me honest. Keeps me motivated. And But I told him, I said, the thing I didn't expect is I started getting private messages from guys my own age saying, hey, I've been out of shape for years. I've been seeing your statuses on Facebook, on Instagram. I've seen your, your weight loss and you've motivated me. I've actually had a veterinarian who said I motivated her. She's lost 15, 20 pounds. And so to me, that makes it all worth it. And then when people start asking you how to, how to um, start getting active and all that. And so that's part of the reason why I still do it. Like I said, I don't do it as heavily as I used to, but that's part of the reason why I still post photos. Yes, I'm a bit of a narcissist, but, but second of all, and more importantly, people, they, they, some people find it as motivation of, oh, I went to high school with that guy. He can do it. I can do it. Or wow, he's two years older than me. I posted a TikTok video yesterday. I was talking about how I have slacked off on my handstand pushups. My goal was to be able to do 20. I started in December. I got to 16. Now I'm back to 14. And some guy, I don't even know, said, oh crap, I'm 32 years old. I, there's no reason, I've always wanted to try. There's no reason, if you can do it, there's no reason I can't. And to me, that, that makes it all worth it. I just love to help people. And that's kind of why I do this podcast on the side. You know, I find there's cynical people out there. If I go on my regular podcast or talk about all this stuff, they are not. They don't want to hear about it. But there's a group of people who like motivational stuff. They want to be inspired or they or share the same interest. And that's why I do this particular podcast where we try to mo- motivate people, whether it's through fitness or job opportunities or chasing their dreams and all that. And so that's kind of what got me into posting all that stuff online all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, kind of the same way. Uh, first off, let me, I know you probably know this. Everybody is narcissist in some way, shape or form, whether no. it be through pictures or just what they want to post. You know, you know, you get the people that just post, you know, oh, I'm having a bad day and they leave it at that. Well, they for want me. attention. Everybody wants attention. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But I got into, so I do the home workout thing. I got a, I became a fit and unofficial fitness coach. I use the air quotes on purpose um because of the home workouts that I do um and I you know it grew into doing it for motivation for my own personal accountability and if I can help one person just get active, you know, if I, if I here I am the some 39-year-old dude, two kids, a wife, and a, a 9 to 5 job and I'm still getting out there training as hard as I am for whatever I'm, I'm I'm doing. You don't have to do what I'm doing, but if you're training for something and I've inspired you, that's fine for me. Like, I don't care that I'm not making, you know, seven figures from sure. helping people to lose weight. The fact that I get messages, dude, I've been following you for a while and you're super motivational. You've got me off my ass a number of times. That is means more to me than a paycheck. So yeah, there's a paycheck involved with what I do, but I don't really, I don't harp on it. I don't care as much. I usually give, when people join my my workout challenges, I usually
1: end up giving them free shit anyway. So yeah, there's an old saying that you know I have heard people say is work uh, getting old is not for the uh, getting old is not for the weak or getting old is not for pussies, and I've kind of changed that up a little bit. I want to make sure it says getting old is not for the weak. That's why I'm in training because as you get older, your body breaks down, and so you know if you start, I figure if I get into this habit now, it'll increase my longevity. Whereas you know if I don't do it now and the weight, packs on and packs on that at the older i get the quicker my body's just going to break down and so and i know people say and you i know you get this all you know running's bad for the knees you know what you else know, is bad, for the, word, uh, you know else bad for the knees you know what else's <laughs> bad for the knees sitting around on the couch eating doritos and not being able to walk that's bad on the knees too you know what's hard you know what's hard on the human body life anything worth doing is there's a potential for injury like I skateboarded for 18 years. I, you don't think I injured twisted ankles, busted knees? I got probably over 150 scars from falling on concrete. And it, playing tennis, tennis elbow, sprain, your rotator cuff injury, anything that's physical or fun to do, there's an inherent risk of injury. And so if your whole thing is, I don't want to run because I don't want to hurt my knees or hurt injure myself, that could be said about a lot, a lot of things.
0: And yeah, I had, um, I think it was a, uh what year it was 2015 two of the guys that are on my team you know my my workout teams whatever in the same week ruptured their achilles wow. one was playing basketball one was deadlifting. yeah they weren't running you know and you know one of them i don't know if he's ever gotten back into being active like he was the other one just kind of sticks to running because he, he's a he's almost afraid to go near a weight and i, I get it now i've just been fortunate to where i i'm 39 years old I've never had a back injury. I've never had a knee injury. I've never had a shoulder injury. Why not push my body and see where I can take it before those injuries come?
1: Now that's saying something. To be as tall as you are and never had any back problems, unless you're differentiating injury from problems, because most people, you know, I've suffered from just back problems. I mean – If I don't sleep on my back, I luckily I have this, the type of back problem that, um, the more movement I get, the better I feel. So when I wake up in the morning, I am super stiff. My back is killing me. But as I move throughout the day, if I'm out and running cat six wire somewhere, or, you know, physically crawling under people's desk to get their computers out or installing printers and all that, the more I move by the end of the day, my back feels great. So luckily I'm on the other side of that, but to be as tall as you are never to be suffered from back pain. And what I was going to say before you even mention that is once you get to 30, every guy knows somebody who pulled out their back just from tying their shoe. So once again, you know, anything can cause injury. So you can't let that be the, 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 the defining factor of why you don't want to, you know, to try it. Yeah. I've, I've,
0: I've never had any kind of ailment to the back. Um, I mean, you get the, the standard pains, you know, like not really pains, but like soreness. Sure. You know, like if I, if my, if my back's arch too long, like the lower back will start to bother you, but you know, just stretch it out the other way and, and it goes, it goes away just fine. Um, but yeah, I've never had a back injury, never had a knee injury, never a shoulder, no neck, nothing. So I'm just going to keep pushing myself until something happens. I know it's going to, but I'm going to enjoy every day, you know, in the gym until it happens.
1: Somebody comes to you and they say, Robert, hey, um, you know, I'm in my late thirties. I've probably gained twenty five pounds since high school. You know, I don't feel as good as I once did. Um, I really want to get into losing weight. Where do you tell them to start?
0: Look at your nutrition. Nutrition is the most important thing. And it doesn't even have to be like the die hard macros, like, oh, I need this many fats, carbs and proteins, whatever start with your calories. Um, you know, what I would normally do is I'd figure out, okay, what are you eating on a normal basis? Calculate it out for a week, just your totals. And and by calculating it, I'm talking weigh and measure everything you eat. Um, and then we figure out where, where you're at, where you need to be. And then we just make it, you know, I, I would help them make small adjustments. I'm going through this with my wife too. Who's, you know, trying to get back to where she was six years ago. Um, you know, she's dealt with some injuries and stuff like that. So she's kind of, you know, gained a little bit of weight. So I'm like, all right, we're going to start with the calories. And we're going to start here for uh, for four weeks. And then we'll adjust as we need to. Calories are huge. And Now, if you're listening to this and that sounds
1: scary <clears throat> to you, um, a way you can do a first step and then and do Robert's second step, there's a girl on TikTok posted a video, where do I get started? And I basically said, try to eliminate soda from your, just, just to start, try to eliminate soda from your diet. Even if you go from 12 down to two a day, you'll see weight loss. And cut your carbs down at least by 60%. And how I did that is I knew that I wasn't going to be able to control my family's diet, right? But from the time I get up in the morning until the time I came home at 5 in the evening, I was by myself. Now, being a computer guy, being someone on the road, I travel a lot. So what I would do is instead of eating a bunch of fast food, if I had to get fast food, I'd go to Wendy's and actually did this today. Today I got a double cheeseburger. Just the beef and the cheese. No bun, no toppings, nothing. I said, hey, give me two double patties of cheese. Throw it, in a, throw it in a potato boat and call it a life. Now, that's still not super healthy, but you're not getting the carbs. You're not eating all the other. You're not getting the French fries and all that. You're eating the protein and all that. So it it, it definitely helps. But what helped me more is I would go to Publix. I'd get a quarter pound of Sausalito turkey, three pieces of three pepper Colby, shred it up, put it in a bag, eat it with a water. It's all protein, less carbs. So if you cut your carbs down by the day, then when you get home, eat whatever it is your significant other or yourself makes for the family. And it's still not great, but what you will see is the the weight will start falling off. And then you're like, oh, wow, there's something to this. And then you can go the next step and then the next step and the next step. Like I said, for the longest time, I was completely – and soda is my biggest thing. I probably drink one a day now, but maybe two on a bad day. That my Starbucks. But when I was off of that, like I said, when I got down to that 207, <clears throat> that's because I was drinking just n- nothing but water and it's the calories and particularly liquid calories. That's where that'll, and of course, I, and for those, you listen home, I, I'll be rightfully honest. I, I've been drinking a Miller Lite during this whole show. It's a lot of calories in there, but, um, you know, it's this one Miller Lite, you know, has less calories than a half a half size of Mountain Dew. So
0: it's all about yeah, I mean, calories. Yeah. You, you start- you start with the sugary drinks you get rid of the, all of them you know fruit juices um, they're high in sugars and high in calories the sodas you know they're high in calories and you don't realize it but like one can of coke is like 120 140 calories which is uh, atrocious uh, the, the sports drinks if you're not in the middle of a workout you don't need a sports drink Those Gatorade really does calories. have really- a zero calorie drink now so yes if- that's where I was going with this was the the Gatorade zero even diet coke uh, if unsweet tea, the sweet teas are, are high in sugars, and I showed my wife this. We went to Subway, and we we're you know we got I got the forty ounce cup because you know, I'm a large guy. I get the mm-hmm. large drink, and uh, I pulled it under. I, I think I got the Diet Pepsi for that one because zero calories, right? Um, my wife was going to get the sweet tea, and I said, Are you sure you want that? She was why. So I showed her the calorie count on the forty ounce drink, and it was like five hundred something calories just in the sweet tea.
1: And where and we were all lied my, to growing up with the, the breakfast pyramid, stop drinking orange juice. That eight ounce yeah, glass I mean, of orange juice has more sugar in it <clears throat> than a full can of Mountain Dew.
0: Yeah. It's, it, the the fruit juices are, are high. Like I hate my, the fact that my daughter drinks as much apple juice as she does, but she doesn't eat. She's because she's ADHD. feet. Her metabolism is like through the roof. She doesn't eat anything. So any calories you can get her. Is yeah. Fine. But most people, I, I would say, you know, all the sugary drinks, all the high-caloric drinks, go with zero calorie.
1: And don't fool yourself. You may say, okay, I'm going to get off the soda. i want to eat right. So you get up, you get on a 7-Eleven, you get yourself a Minute Maid orange juice and two bananas. You're already starting your day off just consuming high. Natural sugar still sugar. Bananas and that yep. orange juice. I mean, if you're trying to count calories themselves, uh, you know, instead, switch it out with a protein. Eat some nuts and, you know, some pepperonis. And, uh, yeah, and go I mean, that route.
0: It's just it's a it's a little change. And then for carbs, uh, one of the things that I've been doing um, is when when I'm actually focusing on the diet, I'll eat things that are carbohydrate sources that are single ingredient. So I try to avoid pastas and breads because you don't know how much of whatever's in there. And I'll you know, I'll have rice, uh, you know, sweet potato, oatmeal. Those are all one ingredient carb sources. So. For me, it's easier to maintain and worry about what, what goes into my, my food, um, and it's still healthy. I mean, sweet potatoes are so low-calorie, low, low calorie and, even, and they're so good.
1: A deep-fried sweet potato is bad for you, but it's so much better than a deep-fried french fry. So if you're a french fry addict and you don't think you can get off french fries, transition to sweet potato fries. They're good, and then at some point, just go to the baked versions. But yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's so important it, – like I said at the beginning of the show, I was going to the gym all the time, but it didn't matter because I was, you know, drinking four or five bottles of Mountain Dew a day while I'm out working computers and going home and drinking half a six pack at night while I'm playing Xbox and just eating Taco Bell and all that. It's just I was at an absolute – I wouldn't even hit net zero gain. It was just the the weightlifting was basically for my own edification of hey I'm doing something, but my diet was just so atrocious that it wasn't until I cup back the sodas and that, that it really, really helps. And that, let me ask you this. I know you work out at home. What's your opinion on gym buddies?
0: I personally don't like working out with people. Um, it's, it's a personal thing. It's not that I don't like people. Like I, I don't mind talking to people at the gym, but it slows me down. Like when I go to the gym, my whole purpose is I'm going to get in, get my workout done and get out if I have someone there with me, I got to take longer rest periods. I got to you know, help you out. And then you know I got to make sure your form is right. Cause now I'm, I'm responsible for your workout as well. And I don't want you getting hurt while I'm standing there. Cause as someone who's working on their personal trainer certification, that kind of is a bad look for me. Yep. So I, you know, for me, I just, I, I want to get in and get out, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes max is usually about how long I'll be in the gym. Someone else there just slows me down. I don't, I also don't run, I don't bike and I don't swim with people. Either. So when I'm training for a race, I do everything solo and you know, you're in the running community. You see all the time people talking about their, their running teams, the running team partners. And I refuse, I'd rather be clever laying and, you know, live alone, train alone, that whole sort of ideal, because it's just for my own, my own mental sanity, I guess.
1: When it comes to running, I, I spend most of my time running solo. I am a little different. Like I said, you've got the herd mentality. If here's how I stand on it, the gym, Like you said, if you see somebody there, you're working out with them, that's fine. When I say gym buddy, and you see this a lot when people first start going to the gym, they want a gym buddy to go with them every day because they think it's going to be motivating. And hypothetically, it could be. But what tends to happen is you got two people who just decided to start going to the gym. And to be honest with you, 60% of the time, they don't want to be there. And so what happens? I call up Robert, say, hey, man, or he calls me up, says, hey, I... Got a uh, Kid's got a soccer game. I can't go to the gym tonight. So what do you think I'm going to do? You think I want to go by myself? I don't even want to be there when he's there. What happens is those people start using their gym buddy and vice versa. Well, if he can't go or she can't go, I guess I can't go either. So instead of having a gym buddy, just tell that person, hey, I'm going to the gym these nights a week. I'm going, if you're there or not, if you're there, I'll throw you a nice, hey, how do you do? Talk to you for two seconds. If you want to work out, maybe split a machine or, you know, the bench press is always busy. If you want to get in in between my reps, that's fine. We'll talk and all that. But trying to schedule your workouts around somebody else, um, especially if you're new to it, it's just it provides you an out and an alibi of why you can't go because they are unable to go and vice versa. And so it's it's really going to hinder you. So once again, if you want to tell somebody what days you're going to be there and uh, you're going to be there regardless, just don't allow yourself to start to associate them as your crutch because that's what it becomes. And then sooner or later, both of you will just stop going and then you're still paying. 100%. on that gym, You'll still be paying on that. gym 100%. membership.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did that uh, before my daughter was born. Uh, me and my buddy would go into the gym every night. And then on Friday <clears throat> when it was leg day, one of us would have a reason to not go. We'd be tired from work. We'd sleep in. And every Friday we just would skip the gym. So yep. of course you're not lifting Saturday and Sunday either. And then after six months, you just, kind of like yeah i'm just not gonna go anymore and you're still paying depending on the gym you know up to you know a hundred something dollars a month to do nothing
1: yep so um that's basically where i stand on that you know i appreciate your time is there any other message you want to get across before we wrap this up
0: you know i mean when it comes to fitness things you know I, i always talk about fitness um when it comes to fitness you have to don't a don't jump in balls blazing you have to ease into it one thing at a time don't try to go do too much too quick don't try to pretend you're you know back in your teenage days you know i I tell i'm a 39 year old dude i can't when i first started in 2011 i couldn't work out like i did in my first year in the navy you know just even 10 years earlier you know it's just your body's not like that so take it slow you know take rest days when you need them you know don't go too hard don't adjust your diet too much, but diet is the most important thing when it comes to getting fitness results, whether it's bulking or losing. Um, and just find someone to help keep your accountability. Don't mind all the, the negative talk on social media. Yep. I post on Instagram every day. I post on Facebook. I got a YouTube vlog. Uh, you know, when I document my, my workouts for my, my training. Yeah, you get hate. You get negativity. You get people clowning on you. You know what? You just ignore it and keep doing you. Because if you let the hate get up in here, it's never, ever going to end well. You will stop quicker than you will keep going because of that.
1: And not only when it comes to fitness, it could be playing the guitar or doing art. Most of the people who cast hate upon you via social media, it's because you've inadvertently held the mirror up to them and they don't like what they're seeing your fitness Mm -hmm. makes them feel bad about their lack of fitness or your ability to draw makes them feel bad about their ability to draw or maybe they used to be a great drawer, but they haven't drawn in 20 years and they feel bad about it but the fact that you're drawing mediocre pictures but you're still you know you're still down that road to make yourself better you know they they're just slashing out at you because you're basically triggering something in them that they don't like and um when it comes to running um one of the comments you hear oh i don't run when i get shin splints your shoes man (laughs) you don't have the right footwear when it comes to running it's all about the real quick
0: on that yeah so what i was i was in the navy i think i I was going for my five-year physical which you have to do one every five years to maintain your standards um and i I remember telling the doctor you know yeah i think i got shin splints because every time i play basketball or run i could pinpoint the spot on my upper shin where it felt like it was ripping something off the bone so he did all this you know checks or whatever and he's like you don't have shin splints. i'm like cool what i what is it he goes Do you want the bad news like, yeah he goes you're fat he goes lose weight and i guarantee it goes away so i dropped 15 pounds and i haven't had that problem since you yep. know because basically what it was is my upper body was getting bigger because i was lifting a lot but my lower body skipping all those leg days mm-hmm. every friday wasn't getting stronger and i was trying to my body was overcompensating for that and it was just i was pulling it apart so i had to lose some weight upper body to kind of let the leg muscles work out but
1: that's the nice thing about long distance running you do it long enough you don't have to do leg day because your legs are going to they blow up i mean my calves and my quads are bigger now than they ever were from 18 years of snowboarding and skateboarding it's insane but back to the shoe thing real quick running shoes can be expensive i Uh i wear brooks or is it sakani sanctiony how do you say it everybody has a different way to pronounce that brand (laughs)
0: I've heard it Saucony, um, Saucony. I mean, I've heard it a bunch of different ways. Um,
1: yeah, I don't really know. I, I usually run Sakanis or Saucony's, and I got a pair of Brooks. But here's the secret. If you don't care about color and you you, you don't care if you're a, a year behind on the model, you can go on Amazon and get a last year model and a color that maybe not be super great for 70 to 80 bucks. Whereas if you get out to your local running store, even go on Amazon and get the latest model of a color you like, it's gonna be 130 bucks. So don't get caught up on matching your shoes to your wardrobe and you'll save yourself about 60 bucks. And I, I get all mine right off of Amazon. And like I said, they they may have the new Cohesion 14s out and I'm buying the 13s. But you know, it's not like I'm going back to a Cohesion 8 where technology's changed all that great. And so I save money that way because they can be expensive. But it's it's definitely if you're out what kills me is when you see these people trying to run in Chuck Taylor's, it's like, you realize that wow. shoe was made in 1938. They haven't changed and vans that it blows my mind. How heavy a pair of Chuck Taylor's and vans are when it's nothing but a slab of rubber and some canvas. It's like, why is this shoe so heavy? The technology hasn't changed since 1943. So don't run in Chuck Taylor's. You're going to destroy your back.
0: Also for running. If you're doing getting into long distance running and by long distance, I, it can be three miles. Okay. I mean, I, If you're just starting three miles as long, Mm -hmm. um, get your, go to a running store and get your shoes fitted. You don't have to buy them, but get fitted, get, make sure you try on a bunch of different shoe types. Cause I used to run, I've run in just about every brand, Reebok, Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, um, Brooks, Brooks was my go-to for a while. And then they started getting minimal, like the, the Minimus shoes, light, like the toe shoes. And I, I'm a bigger guy, so I need a little bit more cushion. I found, uh, my current running shoe is the Hoka One One shoes. Nice. Um, they are, they have about a one and a half inch padding on the bottom, but it's so soft. It's almost like you're running on a marshmallow. Um, and it got me through the Ironman and I just bought my second pair and yeah, I paid $130 for each pair. I don't think I paid less than $130 for a pair of shoes in the last five years. Um, but for running, invest in good yeah. shoes. Even if you get them, you know, a, a season behind, like you said, you know, make sure they're a good shoe and you know they're going to fit because blisters and toenails will fall off and ankle injuries, they happen. Um,
1: Before we wrap it up, on that note, um, like I said, get fitted for your shoes. Depending on your gait, they may tell you that you want a shoe that has a little bit of a rake on it where the heel sits up higher. Or you may be – your gait, you may be – benefit from a zero where the, the, the toe and the heel are at the same height. You may need a little bit of a, you know, so they can even, they can even work you all the way down to depending on your gait, which type of sole, whether it's a negative, a positive, you know, that'll definitely help with the, you know, the knee pains, the, the ankle pains and all that as well. And two, you see these guys out there running. They got their little shorty shorts on, and they got these super high, tall, ugly, crazy socks. Well, those are called compression socks, and believe it or not, they help. And these, are, you know, when I first started running, I was wearing a t-shirt and gym shorts, and I got my shoes. And summer came along, and I realized that t-shirts just weighing five pounds and I'm done. So once I started losing enough weight, I I I finally switched over to the quick dry shirts, and now I and I used I I'll be, I was the guy who used to make fun of people for running in the shorty shorts. You know why they run in shorty shorts? Because all that stuff chafes. It all has weight. And if I could, I would run butt naked. Now when I run, I have on the smallest pair of shorts that I can find, my shoes, um, a sleeve headband, wireless earbuds, and a bottle of water. And I actually have a, one of those neoprenes, uh, real low-profile hip packs I put my phone in, so it's not even that way it's secure. I don't like anything in my pocket bouncing around. It throws off balance, and I just, you know, and I'll get the taller socks just to keep that blood flow going and i just get out there and go and so don't be all concerned about your parents and all that just whatever's comfortable and chafing is a (laughs) chafing is a bastard how
0: do we yeah chafing sucks um how how do we approach this
1: subject in a nice family format because uh i experienced something after my half marathon that i never knew existed and it resulted in let's just say i had uh a rash on the inner thigh of each leg and a perfect line from another part of my anatomy and the rubbing. It's just, you do not, you cannot believe what your body will do to itself when you're out there running for two hours straight. It's insane.
0: I did, um, a half Ironman last May in Panama city. And, uh, the tri suit that I wore, the, the, I guess I got sand in the suit. Oh, and of course you're in, you're in that one suit for the whole 70 miles. Like you don't, you don't change. Well, you don't feel it happen on the bike because you know everything's just kind of sitting there. I got done with the race, cramped up, mm-hmm. and I just I just wanted to sit in the pool. Let me tell you, the most excruciating pain ever is water on a chafing spot. Yes, you you will have the toughest guy in the world screaming like a child, and it's it's so painful. Like I sat down as soon as my legs hit the water i screamed jumped up and i I couldn't do i couldn't take a shower for a day uh it, it hurt
1: yeah it was after that half marathon that i started researching um men's running underwear let's just say has a pouch to try to prevent um certain parts of anatomy from rubbing on other parts because you just never realize that's an issue until, like I said, like you said, the very next day you got to stand up and you're used to the muscle cramps. But all of a sudden you have this weird sensation you never had before. And you look, you're like, what the hell is that? And it's just basically skin on skib running, rubbing for two hours. You know, just it's insane the, the amount of torture you can do. I have to say, now, I maybe because I've never ran long enough. I don't know what distance one must run before their toenails start falling off. But I've yet to have thankfully experienced that yet.
0: I did, uh, my first Ironman, I think the marathon portion, I lost both of my middle toes. Wow! Uh, They just, they turned, they didn't really turn black. Even they just kind of like, you knew they were sore. There was a black, there was bruising underneath. And then, uh, one day like uh, the toenail was overgrown. So I went to start picking at it and the whole nail just ripped off Uh, pain-free, but the whole thing just popped off. I was like, all right, well that's, that's fun.
1: On that note, Um, go (laughs) out and go run. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Hale, where can people (laughs) find you on the internet?
0: Uh, so I'm on Instagram at Coach Rob H. I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can either get my my personal page at rob.hale or my like page, uh, Rob Hale Fitness. Um, search for me on YouTube. I don't know the URL to that, but if you search for Rob Hale, um, you should be able to find me there. Uh, I vlog my 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 training journeys. Um, you know, again, daily posts on my on my like page for fitness and Instagram as well. It's usually the same content. Yeah, the, uh, the like page and Instagram, but I'm all over. As even l- on Twitter, even though I don't use it. Yeah, me
1: neither. As all, because politi- Twitter is just a political nightmare on it, you know, and it sucks too. Because I got a lot of followers on it. I just I don't post anything because it's just nightmare. And as always, um, head over to failtofail.com if you're downloading the audio of this via the uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all that. If you're downloading this audio from an audio platform, head over to failtofail.com or dehyphen 410com and you'll find uh, the page for this episode and I'll include all of Robert's links so you can find his YouTube channel easier and his Instagram and all that stuff as well. Robert, thank you guys. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for your time. And as always, just remember if you don't ever get out of your comfort zone, you'll never get out of bed. So go out and challenge yourself. And we will talk to you all soon.